there was a well of emotion that I had been sort of sidestepping for a while. Um, surely related was the fact that leading up to that Sunday, I remember feeling pretty numb about uh, the shooting, which should have been a sign that I was covering up some emotions. <laughs> um, but needless to say, that was a very emotional moment for me. Simultaneous to that, I was leaving my job um, at a ministry um, that I had sort of volunteered with and grown up with, and um, that ministry excluded people from the LGBTQ community. Um, I've spoken about leaving that group before. Sorry, I, something's happening with this, right? I think it's getting louder. Oh, Amy Hospodarski, everybody. She is a gem. <clears throat> Um, I've spoken about leaving um, that organization before, but I haven't spoken that much in detail about that experience. Um, in certain Christian spaces, there is a study called apologetics. Um, it's defending the faith. Uh, this is where you learn all the arguments for why you are right and everyone else is wrong. That's what apologetics is. Um, you learn to be rigid and unmoving. Um, about the exact beliefs that should define Christianity. Um, and leaving my job at Young Life was running a gauntlet of like apologetic samurai. Like these guys had every apologetic argument down to a T. Um, each of them gave me like a myriad of reasons of like why God was on their side and why it was wrong to want LGBTQ friends to be included and celebrated in the space and how God in all of his cosmic infinite love couldn't accept a, uh, accept a gay person, which to me was confusing. Um, but somewhere between my experience of weeping about faith communities that largely weren't weeping with me about the death of an unarmed black man and um, arguing nitpicky points over why some people aren't worthy of love, I lost my voice a little bit. Um, or more accurately, I lost my speaking voice. I no longer had a desire to stand behind a pulpit or in front of a group of young people or um, at some sort of event to talk about faith. It felt a little bit like I was like working for a charity who raises money for kids to go to college. And then it comes out that like they're embezzling that money and they're like, but you still need to go make fundraising pitches. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to say it. How to say, like, but this is a good idea still, right? This is, this is still good, right, what we're doing. Um, so I sort of quit the company, literally and figuratively. Um, all that said, I didn't lose my desire for faith, um, much like many of my LGBTQ friends. Um, faith, it turns out, is not something that you can actually exclude people from. Um, so I went back to something I know, music. I told David in 80 that I couldn't speak, but I would play, I would sing. And after a long setup, that's what this sermon is about, the gospel of gospel. So if you've seen me lead worship here, which I think most everyone has at this point, um, I do it right there, two steps to the left of the podium, and that is enough of a sermon on its own. Uh, in black church, what's done at the pulpit and what's done in music are inextricably linked. The choir sits behind the pastor, and the musicians all sit inside of them. Um, why? Because while there are times that are expressly for music, 
that music might be extended, reprised, or struck up by whoever is at the pulpit at any time. You will almost never see a sermon in black church uh, that does not begin, end, and middle with music. Um, you have Sunday school music. You've got the praise and worship service. You have uh, music for the testimony service. Then you get to the choir performance. Then you might have an A and B selection by a soloist. You've got music during the sermon. There's usually a shout somewhere after the sermon. Uh, there's another choir performance. You get the idea. Music from start to finish. Um, music is the emotional backbone of the service. It's not the logical explanation. It's not apologetics. It's not the brain. It's the heart. It's two steps to the left of the pulpit. I've never been to a service where a musician stops and asks people not to sing if they haven't prayed the right prayer or met with an accountability partner or studied the proper theology. That's not music's job. Music's job is to take every person in the room and unite them in the human experience and in our experience with God. In other words, it is to become Jesus. In his own way, Jesus is a type of music. Uh, in John chapter 1, there's a verse that says, The word became flesh and lived among us. While everyone bickered and disagreed about the proper belief system, here came a melody. Jesus. It's hard to argue with a melody. It just is. And I'm sure you can find melodies that you don't like in one song or another, but I've never met anyone who doesn't have at least one melody that they love. Oftentimes, people refer to the story of Jesus as the gospel, and people refer to the music I grew up singing as gospel music. It is the story of Jesus as told by black church, black history and all that means, black progress and black struggle, police shootings, yes, but second Sunday dinners also, funerals and freedom marches, slavery and the free African tribes before. In all things, there it is, living among us. Joyful shouts, laments, rallying cries, organ, tambourine, drums, and Jesus. The word become flesh and living among us, within us. So when all else fails, sing. Um, there is a hidden challenge here. <clears throat> uh, recently, we had a sermon about Jesus' declaration that new wine can't be put into old wineskins. For every new movement, new challenge, new environment, new space and time, we need new songs. And lately, I've been struggling a bit in a way I didn't see coming. Um, I mentioned that as I've been on a journey of more expansive, inclusive, loving faith, I've had to leave behind some old systems. And what I have discovered is perhaps what many of you have discovered, uh, loss. There aren't nearly enough faith spaces that seek to model non-exclusive, non-hierarchical church. And perhaps the uh, percentages are growing, but right now they're still too low. Uh, and black church is not immune to those statistics. Uh, to put it bluntly, we live in a predominantly white area with few black churches to begin with, uh, and the low likelihood that any church or faith space would be inclusive of all people, especially our LGBTQ friends, uh, really means the harsh reality is that many of the churches of my youth do not fit the values that I hold dear. Now, don't get me wrong. I love this church. I have no plans to leave this church. 
rest assured. Um, <laughs> but uh, black church isn't just church, it's my culture. Uh, black church is so embedded and interwoven in the history of black people that it's basically inseparable. Gospel music is the music of my people as much as it's the music of our faith. Uh, and as a mixed-race family in a predominantly white area who values inclusivity and a new model of faith the way that we do, I can't help but come to the realization that my children are gaining so many good things uh, from their new faith community and perhaps losing something irreplaceable from their culture. Can they understand what it means to be black in America without singing the songs of their ancestors? Um, I there's countless songs that I know um, that they never will. Can they understand the parts of black history that aren't written down in a book? They're sung by a choir on Sunday morning. Will they know the emotion and passion and joy and sorrow that I knew just from being present Sunday after Sunday in that space? Um, I don't have a full solution to that problem yet. <laughs> it's fresh. But what I do have is a deep passion and conviction for writing new songs. Um, my children may lose some of the songs that only fit our old systems, but I will bring the ones uh, along that I can, and I will write new ones. Um, if gospel music is the word become flesh to live among us now, then I need to create songs that live among us now, that speak to us now, that encourage us now, songs that include all of us and bind us together now in this new space with room for us all. Uh, the gospel songs that will raise my children may not all be the same ones that raise me, and I think that's sad. And I think that's happy. Gospel music has been the music-defining black liberation for as long as it has existed, but why can't it be the music of black liberation for our LGBTQ brothers and sisters as well, for our black women as well, for our black children, and for our non-black brothers and sisters who need the liberation of the gospel of Jesus and the gospel of Negro spirituals. Uh, whenever we can attempt to create new and just systems, we lose some, if not all, of our old systems, our old songs. Uh, you may or may not have noticed all the songs we no longer sing at Sanctuary. Some of our old favorites that are connected to memories of deep healing and connection just don't feel right anymore. Um, but there will be new memories, and there will be new gospel. So we keep singing. Um, we sing because we're singing the songs of generations of steady liberation before, of liberation now, and liberation for the future. New music for our kids to grow up in. So, I don't know if I can get back to giving more sermons again after this, um, but I can find any person who wants to stand here and speak to justice and reconciliation and love and freedom, and I can stand right there or out there, and I can sing along. <clears throat> um, Jesus is gospel, and gospel is music, and music lives among us, within us. It binds us together. It has no need of defending our faith because it is our faith. We sing hope, love, togetherness, love for our neighbor, lifting up the broken, protecting the weak. Um, usually we end the sermon where I would give some sort of 
practical application. Uh, a few notes. Um, but uh, I, I was tempted to sort of do that and give some, you know, metaphorical things that we can sort of embody. But I think the lesson today is literal. I mean literally sing. Um, at our church, at the beginning, I think Amy said it today, we say something like, hey, feel free to stand, sit, sing, or don't as we sing. I'm directly going against that. You have to sing. Um, <laughs> apologies to the management, but in black church, we sing. Um, and everyone knows, like, sister so-and-so cannot hold a tune, but the reason you know that is because she sings, too. Everybody has to sing. <clears throat> um, nothing has brought the goodness and love of Jesus so presently to mind as singing and writing some new gospel music for me uh, in the past few years. Now, there's enough research to back up all the positive impacts and, uh, that music and singing has on our minds and bodies, but I won't get into that. Uh, but I would, what I will say is that there isn't a culture on earth that I know of that doesn't have music. Uh, there's a power there that can't fully be captured um, with just words. It feels like God is in the room. It feels like the word becomes flesh and lives among us, at least for a little while. When we sing together, we embody the notion of Emmanuel, God with us, all of us, in every emotional state, cultural experience, a moment in time, God is with us and we are with each other. May we experience the love through that presence and through the music that we make together at Sanctuary Church. And I want to thank you, all of you, for giving my children new gospel. I want to close today by offering you a, a window. I know that was probably short. Um, but I want to offer you a window into what I came up with and what I hope to remake here. <clears throat> so a while ago, um, I went to Chicago to my uncle's church. Many of my uncles and aunts are pastors, uh, and my granddad has been a pastor for something like 70 years. So I was a church kid, raised on Southern gospel and Chicago gospel. Uh, and maybe it was nostalgia. Maybe it was like the fear of loss or the realization that I was maybe on a different path. Um, but I took maybe like 15 or 20 recordings from that service. Um, and uh, in a minute, we're going to come to communion. I'll, I'll set that up. And I would love to just play a little bit of what it sounds like after my granddad finishes the sermon. Um, I couldn't narrow down everything that I wanted to play that, because there were so many. I'm like, oh, that's so good. That's so good, dude. Um, but yeah, my, my, in, in the recording, what you hear is my granddad has finished the sermon. And uh, it's basically this time, this communion time. Um, and you'll hear the song, I'll Fly Away, and you'll hear this voice sort of crooning over top of it. That would be my grandfather <clears throat> as he leads the congregation. Um, and so uh, I'll set up communion. We'll play that while you take communion, and then we'll fade it out, and the band will take over. <laughs> 